1: Notre Dame Football Saturday continues with Legacy Heating Adair, Game Day, and your hosts, Tim Grell and Vince Taterio.
2: And our team is hot. You're fighting Irish. Having a great month of November. Hoping to extend that as we go out to the West Coast for another away game. It is the final game of the season. Regular season, that is. And it's the final game day show of the regular season. It's the Irish versus the Cardinals kickoff just after 4 p.m. this afternoon. The Irish look to be the only, only the second team in Notre Dame's storied history. To have double digit wins in three consecutive seasons, joining Lou Holtz. Who would have thought that after the debacle in Michigan? We haven't won out there in Palo Alto, though, since 2007. So we got a lot to play for, including a spot in the Camping Word Bowl in Orlando. And Vincent, I hope to have a show for that uh, game too. Good morning, Vince. How was Turkey Day for you? Turkey Day was
1: great. It was uh, obviously family and uh, lots of food, so uh, very happy. And then got to watch the Bears, which was great. You yes. know, and uh, got they beat the Lions, which I've got family that are Michigan people, so <laughs> uh, that was even better because they were in the same room to to watch uh, them their team lose and my team beat them. So it was good and. Uh, how was yours? I, well, I know you my, were busy. Mine, mine was good too.
2: We shoot everybody at our house about six thirty, and then started packing, and then we moved yesterday. So yeah, whirlwind, world whirlwind. So everything's on, everything's on the fly and stuff. Um, talk about somebody hot that kind of like the Irish um, and that turned their season around after Michigan your quarterback for the Bears Trubinsky. Well, what happened all of a sudden
1: every dog has his day right <laughs> so it, it was uh it was great to see don't get me wrong I mean he he played well and his receivers made plays for him, and uh, I honestly, I thought uh, the kid on the other side, Blau from Purdue, I thought he yeah. played very, very well, especially that 75-yard touchdowns uh, pass, the, the second professional pass <laughs> of his life. Where do you go from there? Man, I'll tell you what. So I thought he played really, really well. Um, so, I mean, it was a good game. It was uh, an epic pillow fight between two teams that should be a lot better than they are, but hey, that's okay.
2: Hey, and how about a 30-second think of what do you uh, uh, recap of last week and what are you going into this week?
1: Well, obviously, the defense is playing at another level, which is fantastic. Um, I think, obviously, every time you talk about something good about this team, you have to say, well, besides the Michigan game. Yes. Um, but besides the Michigan game, I, I thought that Clark Lee has done an amazing job with this defense. He has them ready. Um, they don't show the same thing twice. I, I, I thought the defensive front played very, very well. Uh the starters, the backups, all of the above. Um, I, I think it's going to be a good game uh, coming up here against Stanford. I think they're going to uh, have to focus more on the secondary. Uh, they've put the secondary on islands uh, for a lot of the last few games because they've been run-oriented teams. Right. Stanford's not your normal Stanford. They're not a run-oriented team, really, this year. They're, they're going to throw it around the yard a little bit. And, and that's your uh, second-string
2: quarterback to zone all that throwing around. Correct, but he was a five-star. So, yes, I mean, he he's, was.
1: He's, uh, he's the real deal, So, but he's got a great arm. And he's going to spread it out to uh, his receiving core where, you know, you've got a bunch of really good guys, but nobody that's really great. But I think that makes you even more dangerous because, you know, the options are pretty limitless. So uh, it's, it should be a, uh, an interesting game for Notre Dame too.
2: And I hear rain out there, and we know what happened last time in rain yeah. this season. So let's not uh, point. Let's not go down, go down that. So let, let's get started here. And actually... I was just looking on here. We got a couple tie-ins to your Bears too, actually. That's right. Second guest played for the Bears, and our first guest played for the Bears after a great career um, at uh, Notre Dame and a, and a, uh, a stellar career in at other teams in the NFL. And that's uh, and it's a lost art form. Former fullback for Notre Dame, Mark Edwards. Good morning. Good afternoon. I guess. Sorry. Yeah.
3: Make fullbacks great again. There, there's a, a <laughs> grassroots movement to bring them back. You see what uh, you know some of the guys are doing out there now and some of the teams are making a fullback uh, again.
2: So uh, how was your Thanksgiving?
3: I uh, absolutely wonderful. My two daughter I got two dollars in college now, one at the University of Kentucky and one at the West State That one hurts a little bit. But uh, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were doing great for Thanksgiving, the whole family was there,
2: so uh, it, was, it was great and heartwarming. Hey, so Mark, we are talking kind of joking there about fullback, but you were fantastic at fullback. But when you came out of Ohio, you were actually a, a starting middle linebacker there. So tell, tell us about that transition, or how were, we, were you recruited? Recruited for a different uh, position, or you
3: know, I, I, I was recruited uh, early on more as a linebacker. And I played both ways in high school: kick, punted, return, kick, did a little bit of everything. And the recruiting, especially early, like my you know sophomore kind year in high school. I was more looked at as a linebacker, and then I started putting up some ridiculous numbers running the ball. It's kind of a single, a big single back tailback, and team started looking at me as more of a West Coast athletic type of pullback that was going to run the ball. So uh, the, the way Notre Dame ran their offense, their the offense, the fullback was an integral part of the running game as well as the passing game and blocking. So overall, that ended up being the best place for me.
2: Who ended up and recruited you? Who showed up at your high school in your home? <laughs>
3: A guy named Ron Cooper, uh, who was a DB coach for me, that Tony Yelovich was also the uh, recruiting coordinator at that time, the coach of tight ends. And obviously, uh, you know, Coach Holtz uh, recruited me quite a bit, and this
1: is my hometown as well. So, talk a little bit about your time at Notre Dame. I mean, uh, something that stuck out to you. Obviously, what. People don't know, is you you were one of the guys carried off the field after one of your games. (laughs) So I think we need to get that out there and maybe get a movie deal in your future.
3: Well, I always joke, and actually, I don't joke. I've been serious about this, but everybody talks about Rudy being the first carried off, and the legend is I was the second carried off at the USC game my junior year. Uh, he he got a movie. I should have a trilogy or something. <laughs> and my first game is a true testament that he did his entire career. So <laughs> okay, I'm just holding something. But uh, yeah, junior year, uh, Notre Dame. We had beaten USC. I think like ten, eleven straight years. I mean, we tied them in my, my sophomore year. Uh, so it was John Robinson's big comeback to Notre Dame, and it was he's John John's senior year. It was the year they were supposed to finally beat that street and uh they they were number five in the country, uh like seven and oh. We were five and two, had lost a couple of tough games earlier in the year. And they came to South Bend on a chilly October day, and we just beat their heads in. A physical beat. <laughs> we ended a beat like uh, thirty eight to ten. embarrassed them and I, I had kind of a good game and um uh, Next thing you know, we're out there celebrating, and um, I'm up on some shoulders, and it was a uh, kind of a really surreal experience.
1: So, so what was what was better, being carried off the field at Notre Dame after a huge win, or winning the Super Bowl with the Patriots?
3: <laughs> well, I I I, I should have had a ring in 1993 at Notre Dame when we lost, we beat Florida State. That's right. And after all the bowl games shook out. Everybody felt so bad before Bobby and that he never won his national title. (laughs) Every year, that was a lifetime achievement award that particular season. Yep. Uh, You know, maybe we didn't deserve it that year, but they certainly did not deserve it over us. Uh, But at the end of the day, you know, my experience with Notre Dame overall was much better than than, in the pros. But that individual season win was bigger than any win I had in college, for sure. I, I, I proudly sport sport that uh, Patriots 2001 Super Bowl ring uh, quite often, and uh, very, very proud, very lucky and fortunate that I was in the right place at the right time to win that, uh, that first ring with the Patriots.
2: Yeah, that ring's a car- conversation starter, isn't it?
3: <laughs> and, and you walk into a restaurant <laughs> and the entire restaurant <laughs> Easy. Yes. Uh, and, and the interesting thing is, yeah, that was the first one, you know, 2001 season. The Super Bowl was 2002, 2002, obviously. Uh, but the one they just recently won is the, the, the size of it is literally twice the size <laughs> of the one they have. The one I have is absolutely ridiculously large. So, uh, Super Bowl rings just getting bigger and bigger. Uh, they're almost to the point we can't wear them anymore.
0: You, you have to
2: stay in shape just to, just, just to keep the finger, to raise your hand up and stuff. Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Guys usually wear well on the right hand, the right biceps,
2: no bigger than the right biceps. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show on WSBT. We're talking with football with former Irish fullback uh, Mark Edwards. He played with a lot of notable names at Notre Dame, too. Uh, Audrey Denson, Lee Beckton, Derek Mays, Ron Paulus. So to be uh, selected as a team captain in uh, 1995 had to be quite an honor.
3: Uh, my, my senior year, and I, well, I, I guess say I was selected in 1995, but uh, yeah, for the 96th year, my senior year. Um, yeah, you know that, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm most proud of uh, at my time at Notre Dame because you know that was kind of an honor that was earned, uh, a, 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 a showing respect from my teammates and my coaching staff. That uh, they, they picked me to, to be a captain of my senior year. It was a big responsibility as well, and I took it very seriously. And uh, it went out and played my heart out but my senior year, not only for my teammates, but just for Notre Dame.
2: Was there a point during that senior season that, uh, as a captain, that you had to uh, step forward and uh, make a speech or or rally the troops?
3: Well, there are always uh, moments like that, uh, specifically in Game 1 against Vanderbilt. Uh, it was a Thursday night game to open the season down in Nashville, and it was about a billion degrees. <laughs> and uh, we, we were struggling against uh, a, a very, very big favorite. <clears throat> and uh, uh, there was a part in the third quarter where uh, it, we had completely dominated the game, but kept fumbling, uh, including myself. Uh, I, had, I had a couple that did, and. Uh, they took the lead on us early in the fourth quarter on a bomb. It's the only positive yardage play they had all game because our defense was absolutely just destroying them. And it was kind of that last second, like, all right, boys, time to wake up. And that offensive line of ours kind of took over in the fourth quarter, and we just drove right down the field. Uh, kind of an old-school, you know, drive through pound of the ball and went down, scored a touchdown, ran in the two point conversion, ran down their throats, won
2: the game, and kind of moved on. So that yeah, was quite a game. I kind of, I kind of remember that. It was like you said, it was pretty hot, yeah. huh?
3: Oh, it was, it was just ghastly hot. It was awful.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark, do you have a uh, a, a favorite Lou Holtz story?
3: Ah, uh, my goodness. Uh, I, I don't know. Why I have one because Lou well, was. I, I, everybody always asked me about Lou, what was Lou like? And I always say, Lou, in my opinion, tried to put so much pressure on you during practice that come game time, was easy. Specifically, if you were a young player, freshman or sophomore, that was playing for the first time and had to step up into a major role. So I remember just absolutely dreading going to practice. As the first year sophomore, because I knew I was going to get my rear end chewed out about something. I didn't know what it was going to be, uh, but it was going to be something. And he really focused on the little things, right? So if I'm in my stance as a fullback, I'm in a three-point stance, and I'm supposed to take a lead step with my right foot, but instead my very first step is a crossover step, regardless of the outcome of the play. Uh, yeah, it seems like a very, very minor detail that does not affect Anything in the play, but at the end of the day, it's it text timing and things like that. And he would be down the field, even though you know I scored a touchdown or whatever. He would be down the field, practice chewing my arms out because <laughs> I took a crossover step first instead of that lead step that <laughs> I was supposed to. So uh, you know, there, there were all kinds of stories like that. But the way he would uh, discipline you, uh, you know, was quite often hysterical to everybody else or how he would talk to you and belittle you and make fun of you uh, while well, trying to get his point across. And he always it in a very loud manner as well. Uh, so, you would almost look forward to hearing you do it to somebody else because something funny was going to happen, but it was obviously belittling if it was you, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Growl, Vince Adairi on the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show. We're with uh, former Notre Dame player and NFL player uh, Mark Edwards. So um, you follow this year, the team. So Vince has got some questions Absolutely. for you that we are ask all of our guests. And you can expound or be short, whatever you want to do.
3: Yeah, well, I, I, I live in Delaware every Saturday. So uh, I, I follow it very, very closely. And I was actually in South Bend last week uh, for the Boston College game. And... You know, we we lost to Boston College pretty bad both my junior or uh, excuse me my freshman and sophomore year. That freshman loss ended up kept costing me costing up that national title that year.
2: Oh yeah, uh,
3: but I got a little revenge. I actually had my first game ever against uh, Boston College my junior year, so uh, that was uh, that was good to see him. Good, good to see the Irish in person and be on campus again. But let's
1: let's, let's talk about this here. All right, so this, we've uh, got. What's so, going on? So we like to ask uh, four questions to our guests about uh, today's <laughs> game. So, uh okay. All right, here we go. Number one, Notre Dame averages two hundred and fifty-two passing yards a game. Stanford averages two sixty-one. So pretty pretty even. Who's going to have more passing yards today? Well,
3: Notre Dame will have more passing yards easily. Uh, Stanford plays out in that, you know, uh, that, 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 that Pac 12 where they don't play defense. So uh, all, all those numbers are inflated. They have not seen a pass rush like Notre Dame, and they yeah. have not seen a defensive backfield like Notre Dame, uh, which for the most part has, has been the strength of our defense, the pass rush along with our pass defense. We struggle a little bit in the running game at times. So, uh, Notre Dame will certainly have more passing
1: yards. Love it. Love it. All right. Question number two. Will Notre Dame's defense have more turnovers or sacks today against the Cardinal?
3: More
1: sacks. All right. Mm-hmm.
3: We'll, we'll put a lot of, a lot of pressure on it. I expect, you know, four to five sacks. Uh, you know, and maybe three turnovers.
1: Well, you know, Stanford's going to drop back a bunch, so plenty of opportunities <laughs> out there, I would hope.
3: <clears throat> Which is very uncharacteristic for them, but you're, you're yeah, they right. do their strengths
1: this year. You yeah. are right. Alright, third question. Which is more likely to happen? Ian Book completes 68% of his passes, or he's the leading rusher in the game for Notre Dame? Oh. You know,
3: I, I do this thing uh, on fan media where I Uh, It's kind of like a social or media site for sports, right? Mm -hmm. And I always talk about the game after the game's over. And that's been one of my biggest concerns about the offense is that Ian Buck has been our leading rusher for like the past three weeks. Yep, yes. And, you know, while we ran the ball you know, for a bunch of yards last week, once again, he was a leading rusher. Three weeks ago, he ran for 150 or 120 or... So, there is just a ridiculous amount that uh, really concerns me as an offense. Um, but he is also very, very accurate. So, I think that finally gets the running game going with the running back today. And Ian will is more likely to get more than 68%
1: than lead the team in rushing this week i like it i i think there's going to be a focus on the run game and hopefully he's not the leading rusher because that that doesn't necessarily lead to good things in general it has so far for notre dame but usually that's not the case yeah so all right number four a final question for you which has the better chance to happen kyle hamilton has an interception brayden lindsey scores a touchdown or both
3: well, if you say which is more likely, uh, let's see. Well, let's see, or both. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Hamilton interception because it's hammered up throw the ball a whole lot. Uh, Lindsey does not get that many touches per game right. in general. So, uh, uh, I mean, granted, you know, one for 61 last week was, was, was pretty nice. Uh, <laughs> that long oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, Hamilton is, is a ball hawk back there. And uh, that that's more likely to happen.
1: He just covers so much ground playing out there uh, in center well, field.
3: Well, hey, you know what? It, it doesn't hurt uh, your, your uh, long, lanky uh, safety
1: like that. That's right. He looks like more like a shooting guard out there. It's a pretty impressive. <laughs> exactly. Uh,
3: it's like Steph uh, Curry uh, playing DB back
1: there with some muscle. That's right. That's right.
2: Hey, Mark, we appreciate you taking the time today to uh, join the show. Always great to spend some time and, and talk some Notre Dame football with you, and we hope you have a good uh, time watching the game today. I don't know if you, uh, when you raise that hand to drink, you must take two hands with that ring, that that, that the <laughs> Super Bowl ring on there, but do the best you can.
3: Well, I'm uh, going some, uh, some adult beverages enjoyed. Uh, as I'm lifting that Chalice, football the- uh yeah, I'm
2: of the gods. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, well, thanks again, and go Irish.
3: Yeah, go Irish, guys.
2: All Thank right. you. From the WSBT studio in Mishawaka, this is a Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show. We'll be right back with Consensus All-American Chris Zorich.
1: Your Game Day show is brought to you by... Uh, let's see here. Family gatherings, hot chocolate and Christmas <clears throat> music are all the signs of the season and and that the frigid Midwest temps are here. If you're dreaming of a warm home this winter, contact Legacy Heating and Air today to schedule a tune-up and safety inspection for only $82. Legacy Heating and Air, a cook, family business. By Wings Etc Grill and Pub, good food, great times, and online ordering, go to wingsetc.com by United Beverage, encouraging you to enjoy responsibly, drink wiser, the Skillet. Dreaming of a <clears throat> stress-free Christmas dinner with work associates or friends? Well, dream no more. Turn to The Skillet for your holiday catering this year. Call The Skillet for your no-fret, no-mess holiday catering at 574-234-6069. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Together, we can stop hunger. Learn more at FeedIndiana.org. And by your state farm agent, Tim Growl. For all your insurance needs, go ahead and call Tim at 232 81.
2: This is the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day Show on WSBT. And our next guest was a consensus All-American in 1989. In 1990, Lombardi Award winner in 1990. He played for Vince's uh, Chicago Bears Woo. or whatever. And I'm going to ask him something here in Santana right there. I don't know why. I just had this picture of our next guest. I wonder what he'd be... If he was to be dancing to that on Dancing with the Stars, how he would do. And that would be Chris orange. Chris, how are you doing today?
4: Well, uh, talk about a great intro. I, I, I kind of like that.
2: <laughs> so, can you see yourself on Dancing with the Stars?
4: Uh, probably not. I probably, I have like five left feet, so that's probably worth <laughs> that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have no idea why that just stuck in my mind here in Santana. I'm thinking, well, I wonder if Chris, Chris would be a dancer. I don't with
4: know, th- but apparently you might be a Dance with the Stars fan.
2: You know, I don't ever watch it. I guess I read about
4: it, but <laughs> I don't ever watch
2: it. <laughs> but I'm a big football fan. I've been a fan of yours for years. Man, we go back to the varsity clubs. You've been on the varsity club show uh, there in person years uh, yeah. years ago. Yep. And oh, then yeah. we talked a couple years ago uh, uh, on the phone, too. So we're glad to have you have you back. Let's just uh, We'll go backwards later on, but current assessment of the Irish right now from you.
4: I'm excited. Um, obviously, we, we, we had some opportunities. Um, they wanted getting away from us. But, you know, I'm, I'm of that type of individual where, you know, hey, after the game's over, you got to forget about it because you have another one coming up. I mean, would, would I like us being defeated? Absolutely. Uh, I think the Michigan game was a fluke. Uh, they looked like they weren't um, just into the game at all. Offense or defense, and and so it was frustrating to watch that game. But um, I mean, I'm, I I am excited about uh, what bowl games they will be going to. But more importantly, they have, they have to beat a, a good Stanford team.
2: You know, you talk about that Michigan game, what kind of did to our season, and that I think that's right, Vince. What's holding us down in the in the rankings and stuff? Everybody just looks at the size of it. It would have been a close game, you know, a little little differently. Right. Right. Uh, but. You had a lot of close games, or a number of close games in your 88 championship season. I mean, that that season could have turned around in, in, in any number of those close
4: games. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was the very first game. Um, if, if not for Reggio, we would you know, I wouldn't be a national champion, and, and um, you know, there was a fumble here, fumble there, interception there. Um, I missed I miss field goal there, but and it was interesting. I was uh, listening to your interview with Mark, and and he was exactly right. You know, games were easy. You know, it was practices that were the hardest. And I could remember being in those situations where the games were close, but knowing that we were going to win. I mean, we just had a type of attitude. And that's good and bad. Um, I say it's good because that's that's the attitude you're supposed to have going into a game, knowing you're not, you're not going to lose. The bad part is I don't think we really – enjoyed or at least I didn't really enjoy the type of success we had mm. when I was there because I assumed we were gonna win a national championship every year and so you know my, my sophomore year we won it we lost one game my junior year and that was just expected of us and so it's not till like now I'm 50 years old I'm old and I'm an old hotbeat old man <laughs> that I like really enjoy it you know
2: <laughs> The, you had a lot of uh, players. Of, let's see: Todd Light, Rick Meyer, Michael Stonebreaker, you know, the Rocket. I mean, you had all a lot of different names. I, I, I can, I guess, going into practice at, at that time. Do you guys have any perception of, um, uh, like I guess, how successful or that you were playing with the, yeah, f- you know, future NFL players like yourself? I mean, was that even on your mind as you were playing in those some of those? Oh no,
4: no. I mean, we knew we, 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 we had great. Great players, great talent, um, and that's why it was so easy for us. That's why, you know, we went in every game expecting to win, and and you know that's one of the reasons why we played so tough against Miami uh, back in '88, right? Because the years before that, they just blew Notre Dame out, and it was so interesting. That's I think that's really was one of my favorite games because we had a chance to kind of prove who we were. Uh, to not only to Miami, but to the nation, that, that we weren't going to back down to anyone. And we weren't going to accept, you know, a 58-0 loss or whatever. And so for us, it was, it was having the ability to go out there, having that confidence that we knew we were going to beat and dominate anybody we played.
1: So, Chris, uh, you know, we always like to, to ask guys about uh, their recruitment and kind of how that went down and, and if they had any other schools they were looking at and, and who came to visit uh, from the coaching staff and things like that. How would you, how did your recruitment go?
4: Well, the first, and, and I've said this a lot of times, if, you hear, if you've heard this, I apologize, <clears throat> but when uh, Coach Steinheimer he was a linebacker coach from the University of Notre Dame, when he came to my school... Uh, at the end of my junior year, um, he asked me how I'd like to attend the University of Notre Dame, and I was like, hey, I'd love to go, but my mom doesn't like to fly. <laughs> and he was like, what do you mean? So now, just mind you, for those folks who don't know anything about <laughs> me, high school was literally 90 miles away from South Indiana. Right, so those right. folks who are in Chicago are traveling from Chicago to South Bend, I'm on a toll road, right right, so the guy goes, "What do you mean your mom doesn't like to fly?" and i said well there's no there's, there's no way my mom would fly to France to see me play <laughs> and he looked at me like, "What what are you talking about?" <clears throat> I was like, "We well, guys are in France, you got the hunchback guy in the church, right." <laughs> And I know he was like, oh, my Lord, what the hell do we have here? Yeah. And he was like, well, no, we're only nine miles away. I was like, really? But, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood where, I mean, no one ever ever went to college. It was a big deal if you graduated from high school. So I, I knew nothing. As a matter of fact, my I remember the first letter I got, and it was from Indiana State, the Sycamore.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure.
4: And they said, you know, hey, you know, we'd like to offer your scholarship. And I called them back, and I said, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> and they were like, well, uh, thanks, <laughs> but you may be getting some more. And I'm like, oh, no, but you're the first one. And they are like, uh, just hold on a little great. bit. <laughs> so, uh, I thought that was
2: hilarious. It is. It is. <laughs> Prior to the Irish and Cardinals game at 4 p.m. today, this is the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show on WSBT. We're with uh, Consensus All-American uh, Chris Zorich. Chris, we, last week we had on uh, – Corey Mays, a fairly current player from Chicago. And we had Peter Shivarilli on. Of course, you know him from in the 60s oh, yeah. and early 70s playing stuff too. I know it's the proximity and, and uh, predominantly a lot of Catholic in Chicago, so that helps it. But good players just really come out of Chicago. So uh, tell us about Chicago football, and
4: Well, I'm a very firm believer in that. I think we have the best football in the country. Uh, forget about Texas. Forget about Florida. You know, we got hardworking blue-collar folks in the Chicago area. And I think that I mean, I, I'm not a great uh, evaluator of talent, but Lou, I think Lou Holtz was. And his second year, his full year, he had the opportunity to recruit. Um, He recruited like 500 people from Chicago. It was was hilarious. Um, A whole bunch of guys from St. Rita and St. Lawrence. Um, So he really knew what he was looking for. And when you look at Coach Holtz's roster, he always had at least four or five, maybe about five or six guys from the Chicago area. Um, I know when I was on the team, uh, George Streeter uh, came from Julian. Uh, we had John Foley at St. Rita, Stance McGall. I mean, you know, it was, there were a bunch of kids from Chicago. And not only was it great, obviously, where we're only 90 miles away, but I thought it was great in a sense where, you know, we have that, that blue-collar mentality. And for me, it was about proving myself. And I could remember my freshman year, I'll never forget this, um, Ricky Waters talked the most smack of anybody I've ever met. <laughs> I heard that before. <laughs> and he was—he was—he was just John, John, just talking, talking, talking. <clears throat> and finally, I was like, "Dude, shut up!" He was like, "Well, hey, this is, what, this is what we do from Pittsburgh." And I'm like, "Pittsburgh, you know?" And I'm thinking, like, Pittsburgh, you know, Mike Ditka, Willie right. uh, Willie really, really Blue Collar. And he gets get this guy talking about a smack. So, you know, I was like, man, where are you coming from? Then we had Pat um, Farrell from uh, the Florida area. We had Tom White from Michigan, who, again, kind of does Midwestern blue-collar right. thing. So, you know, it was just great to have um, a lot of representation from the folks from Chicago and also the Midwest area.
1: So, Chris, i got to ask you, uh, obviously, for, for Senior Day last week, Notre Dame donned the 1988 uh, throwback uniforms. What, what were your thoughts yeah, on Yeah, They won.
4: That's, they won big.
1: <laughs> That's, and I'll tell you what, I, I from everybody that I've talked to, they like those jerseys that they wore last week better than the ones they normally wear.
4: There you go. And you have a chance to blow some folks up, so why not? You know, he was awesome. Seeing that, and, and I talk to a lot of guys from the, from the eighty eight team, who were all kind of laughing and joking about it, and and um, they were they were making a comment saying, "Wouldn't that be cool if uh, who wore number fifty came out there with a with a half jersey?" I was like, "That would be funny." He'd he would probably be he thought though. That.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think they've changed the rule, but I don't think that uniforms looked as good if they weren't half cut like they used to be, man. <clears throat>
4: but, hey, I, I agree. Absolutely agree. You know, I need, a, I need that, that that fat stomach showing. You know,
1: <laughs> that's right. There's an intimidation factor, man, when it came to the half jerseys.
4: This Especially is... when we were playing in November and it was freezing and there was snow on the ground, and I'm <laughs> going around there with a with a half shirt.
2: <laughs> Tim Grant Vincitore on the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day Show with uh, Chris Zorich. Chris, I, you got a heads up on this because you were listening to the Mark Edwards interview, so. Vince is gonna hit you with our fast four questions. All
5: right,
1: Chris.
2: The same
1: <laughs> we like to see how you guys fall. Hell? You know, we're we're gonna ask the same questions of ourselves a little later. So, uh, all right. Oh so, my God! Come uh, on, man. Be <laughs> <the> original, damn. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you uh, you you know what's coming. So here we go. So Notre Dame averages 252 in the air. Stanford averages 261. Who has more passing yards today?
4: Really? Come on. Notre Dame. Come on, okay. There now,
2: you go. Come on, man. You really? Come <laughs> on. Hit him uh-huh. with those, hit him with those and you can come you can make one up at the end there.
1: There we go. It's All right. So, <laughs> will, will the uh, the Notre Dame defense have more turnovers or sacks? And I think I know where you're going to go with this one against uh, Stanford.
4: Well, okay. It was funny cuz I, you know, I heard uh, uh, Mark and he was like, "Oh, sacks for sure." Which, you know, has a D-lineman, absolutely but but I would much rather have caused a turnover or, you know, intercepted, fumbled, whatever it was. Yeah. Because that that helps your momentum more. So, obviously, I like that. But a sack get a chance to like rip somebody's head off, which I obviously enjoy. <laughs> so, I'm kind of torn between the fact that I would love to have a sack or they should have more sacks versus having more turnovers. But at the end, I want to say turnovers because, Now, as a a former college administrator, um, you know, I I understand how important that stuff is.
1: They are. Turnovers are crucial, no doubt about it, especially for momentum, like you mentioned. I like that. All right, so which was more likely to happen? Ian Book completes 68% of his passes, or he's the leading rusher in the game?
4: I'm hoping for passing because although I, I, I love to crunch quarterbacks when they're running, I get very fearful. Sure. Um, that <clears throat> folks get injured. So, obviously,
1: more passes. All right, very good. Last one. Which has a better chance to happen? Kyle Hamilton with an interception, Braden Lindsey with a touchdown, or both? Well,
4: I'm going to go defense. so uh, I want an interception and maybe a pick six. I think it would be awesome.
1: There you go. Now, finally, a score prediction from you.
4: Okay, so, so
1: now this is the original one, right? Yeah, yeah. It's about as original as I'm going to get, I
4: guess. <laughs> score
1: prediction for you. What do you got? <laughs>
4: Oh wow, um, man! I would love to see us. Uh, maybe the I mean, I, I love the Orange Bowl because uh, we went there twice. We had a bunch of success there. That'd be awesome if if uh, learning to go back to the, to the Orange Bowl. That'd be great. Nice. All
2: right, we appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure we'll try to give you a call next year. But we want you to go out and cheer the Irish to a big win today, and. Uh, have a good holiday season, and we'll talk to you next time. And thanks a lot, Chris.
4: Absolutely. Thanks, guys. And, and, you know, obviously, have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. Thanks, guys.
2: Take care. Thanks, Chris. On your home for Notre Dame football, 961 WSBT, this is game day. We'll be right back with Dr. Tommy John.
1: This Christmas season, let Fisher's Tips and Chips cater your work or your family holiday event. Choose from a selection of meats smoked to perfection, and a wide variety of mouth-watering side dishes and desserts. Fisher's Tips and Chips Barbecue on South 11th Street, just over the state line in Niles. By Smith's Downtown Tap and Grill. Text Smiths D T to 85100 for <clears throat> exclusive deals and specials. By Mega Liquor and Smoke, with dozens of locations in Indiana and Michigan. You're never far from your Mega Liquor and Smoke. By Leck Lightner Door at <clears throat> Leck Lightner, we open all the right doors. Kyle's Auto Repair, a dead battery is no fun. Have yours tested at Kyle's Lincolnway East in Mishawaka. By Krenick RV Center, family fun starts here with 27 acres of RVs. Exit 39 off I-94 in Coloma, Michigan. And by Ivy Court Inn & Suites, a boutique <coughs> hotel just steps away from the University of Notre Dame.
2: And we're going to spend a few moments here and kind of change things up. We're going to be speaking uh, with the operator of the Tommy John Performance and Healing Center out of San Diego, also author of The Unprepared American Athlete, and that's Dr. Tommy John. Doctor,
0: how are we doing, guys?
2: We're doing great. How about you?
5: Excellent. I'm trying to withstand the the downpour in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Trying to stay dry.
2: Oh, well, and you're from San Diego, right? So this is unusual for you to go through a downpour.
5: Exactly, but I did a lot of preparation and training in Chicago for 14 years to realize how to handle
2: that, so uh, I'm all right now. You got it. Let's divide this interview up. Uh, we'll do youth sports in a, in a little bit here, but let's let's talk about the, uh, the culture and professional sports right now, because I know you have worked with a lot of NFL athletes, I think, for like 19 years or something like that, and... Um, some of your uh, opinion is that they're obsessed so much with analytics that they're not preparing the athletes properly nowadays. Would that be the case?
5: Yeah, so what's unfortunate is around 2006, 7, <clears throat> 8, uh, when, you, when you go ahead and evaluate some of these injured athletes or you evaluate some of these athletes looking to take their game to the next level, you saw a switch. You saw some of these guys and girls that just weren't prepared physically, mentally, emotionally, intellectually to handle what's about to happen at the highest level of sports that we know of. And we're seeing injury epidemics, that's one thing, but we're also trying to correct those injury epidemics from the top down. We've got concussions, ACL tears at record numbers, we've got Tommy John surgeries, we've got spine fractures, we've got CTE, I mean, you name it. We've got things going on, but now we're trying to, like, analyze every every inch of the sport and try to prevent meticulously these guys from being overworked. But sadly, what we're missing is is these kids who are now entering the highest level came from a, a childhood that was grossly under-moved. They were behind screens. They were over-specialized. They were underprepared. And now it's, it's not surprising that we're seeing... They can't sustain the environments that they're trying to compete in. We keep trying to change the environment, but it's the actual participant in the environment we need to look at.
2: So, what are these NFL players <coughs> that you work with when they're getting out of the career? What are they telling you that they wish would have been done, or how they how they could have been helped?
5: That's such a great question. So, there's in this country <coughs> um, mainly we've got a fragmentation. We've got we've got a a divorced relationship between the orthopedic surgeon, the strength coach and the uh, sports medicine staff. Everything is dictated by the orthopedic surgeon and then guided through sports medicine and then strength and conditioning is down the hallway. Where in other places of the world where they don't have the problems that we're seeing, they're able to repeat their performances at the highest level the strength and conditioning professional, is, it, it, it's very, very, very well-rounded, very intelligent. The orthopedic surgeon's off on the side because they just repair broken tissue and know very little about function at all. And then you have the sports medicine staff that kind of answers to the strength and conditioning coach. The most important part is they're all in, in communication with each other to give the best results for that player. Here, nobody knows who, what's on, who's on what page who's doing what, everything is, somebody's talking badly about somebody else, and that's what I've gotten at the highest level of sport. There's a huge, huge split between training, sports medicine, and then guided by the orthopedic surgeon, and it's sad because these athletes deserve better.
1: So you you mentioned uh, kind of the... The society that we live in with youth sports and, and, and kids being behind screens, et cetera, et cetera, and just not building up uh, that active lifestyle that, that a lot of people need when they get older. Is it, is, is it just as simple as let's get these kids outside and get them active and, and, and out from behind the screens?
5: So that's a great point, and I'd love to look at the magic bullet, right—the one thing that we're going to look at. But unfortunately, it, it's not that simple. I mean, there's things that I'm seeing in my office that are stemming from missed opportunities when they're zero to four years old. Oh, wow. So what the hell's going on? Is zero to four years old? Is it activity?
4: <laughs>
0: wow. We're
5: we're over we're over swaddling them. We're sitting them in seats. They're behind screens. You can get into malnourishment. There's there's double income homes now. Everything's just push push push. And now, all of a sudden, you have organized sports trying to replace outdoor free play. These kids aren't going outside <laughs> and playing freely. Guys, there's kids falling out of chairs in schools, in middle school, because they don't have the stability to sit upright in chairs. Wow, <laughs> They're falling out of chairs. We're devolving at, like, record pace. And we keep patting ourselves on the back that we're some sort of sophisticants because we know how to use a phone. And we could not be further <clears throat> driving down this slope that... We're not doing well at all. And so here's the scary part is we're going to see a big, big, big increase. Now it's concussions in girls' soccer. Now there's mental health situations where kids are being medicated for anxiety and depression because they can't perform in sport. Guys, they can't sustain anything, let alone sport. So we're on the cusp of something that's very, very gross and very big, and it's going to get much worse before it gets better.
1: Uh, This is all fascinating information. Do you have a way, I I assume that there's a a book out there or something that you've put your your research in, et cetera, where guys can get their hands, and gals, can get their hands on this information and kind of impart that into their youth athletes?
5: Absolutely. So that was the biggest part of me writing this book was there needs to be a handbook, uh, um, a manual for parents to be able to put, because parents are the only ones who are going to be able to change this. If you go to don'tcutmykid.com, That's the book Landing site. The book's title is actually Minimize Injury, Maximize Performance, a Sports Parent Survival Guide. And if you just cross out sports parents, it's really just a survival guide for the family. And you'll get into all these principles where we rethink, replenish, rebuild, recover. And there's so many different tips and styles and ways to locate proper food and recovery methods and sleep is a king and what to do with technology if they actually have to... There's so many different ways that you can go about this because it can be very overwhelming for a mom or dad or aunt or uncle, whoever's raising the child, because we can get drunk on information out there. So I put it all into one location and it just makes sense. And that's the greatest thing is when people get through with it, they're like, wow, this just makes sense.
2: We appreciate you taking the time. Um, Next season, maybe I'll give you a call because I really, both Vince and I are youth uh, sport coaches, so we'd like to hear more about this. So we'll give you a contact next year. But you have a good rest of the day and the rest of the weekend in Louisville.
5: Guys, thank you so much, and I appreciate the opportunity.
2: Take care. We'll be right back.
1: Your uh, Your game day show is brought to you by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Steve Miller in Mishawaka or Craig Langhofer in New Carlisle, by Eddie Street Commons at Notre Dame. Come dine, shop, and enjoy the merchants at Eddy Street Commons. By Carmela's at McCree's, your post-game dining destination. And McCree's Italian Bakery for all your tailgating needs. By Budweiser, great times are waiting. Grab some buds. And by now, you've turned on your furnace and it's either stopped working or you've noticed it may need serviced. Enjoy a worry free winter to schedule a tune up and safety inspection for only $82 online at Legacy and Air Enjoy the holidays with your family and great indoor comfort at refreshingly affordable prices. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Vince and I want to
2: thank everyone for listening uh, during our regular season. We hope to be back on December 28th for the uh, show before the Camping Bowl game. So stay tuned for the rest of the coverage on WSBT. And this is your home for Fighting Irish Football 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader.